verse 32. If you care for a little homework this week, you might want to look at the other accounts of this in the Gospels. John doesn't really cover the details of this. We kind of see, we just kind of see it summarized really briefly that Jesus went to the garden in John chapter 18. But in Matthew 20, uh, Matthew 26, verses 38 through 46, Luke chapter 29, verses 39 through 46 cover uh, this event as well. The details are very similar in all three of these gospel accounts, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Uh, but if you care to look at them this week, those are the passages you might want to look at. But tonight we're just going to look at Mark's account. Mark chapter 14, we'll start in verse 32. We talked last week about Jesus washing the disciples' feet. We kind of went back in time a little bit Sunday to cover the triumphal entry where Jesus come into town after Jesus had that last supper with his disciples and after he had washed their feet, uh, the time for his crucifixion is drawing near and he knows his time is drawing near. But before he is arrested and, and put uh, on a trial, a mock trial, uh, he goes to the garden. And that's what we're going to look at tonight. So let's pray, and then we'll get started. Father God, we come to you, and we thank you for these good words. And I pray, God, that when we hear your words and when we see Jesus, that we see an example that is worthy to be followed, God. So I pray, dear Lord, even though we may have read this passage or heard it preached a hundred times over, dear Lord, let us not miss your word. God, there is good here for us. We we read these same passages every year because they are good, because they are about Jesus, because they remind us of who Jesus is and what he has done. So let us draw strength and encouragement from these words tonight. And I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Mark chapter 14, verse 32. Then they came to a place named Gethsemane. He told his disciples, sit here while I pray. Now, here is Jesus in, in, in the most difficult moment of his earthly life. He had ministered for over three years now. He had faced opposition repeatedly, time and again. And, and there were certainly occasions where many wanted to stone him. They wanted to get rid of him on the spot. But Jesus always was able to escape. He always left. But, but in this instance, there would be no escape. Now, certainly Jesus could have escaped what was about to happen to him, but he chose not to. Perhaps there's a good message in there, that there are times when we are doing the Lord's work that it's time to go, and there are times that it's time to stay. Now, Jesus, even though he had faced oppositions many times before, he knew in those times, all right, Now's the time to go. But when it came down to it, this, this was what God had sent him to. This is what God had called him to. And so as difficult as what, what was before him was, he said, this is what I have come to do, the will of the Father. Now that's, there's a good lesson there for us. That there may be times that God calls us to things and we do things and we face opposition and we face difficulties, but perhaps there are times that God has placed it on our hearts 
that this is where you need to be, that this is where you need to go, that this is where you, what you need to do. Perhaps there are times that we need to escape, but perhaps there are other times that we say, this is where God has placed me. I will do what God has called me to do, as difficult as it may be. And as Jesus was approaching this moment in his life, the first thing he did here was he prayed. Now, I suspect we could probably preach a whole sermon on that topic. That, that in, in, in the face of the most difficult thing that he would ever experience, Jesus said, before I do this, I will pray. Now, that's where we need to start. Perhaps we know that. That's one of those things that goes without saying, but sometimes we need to say the things that go without saying. When we are making the biggest decisions in our life, when we are up against the most difficult circumstances in our life, we need to follow Jesus here. Jesus didn't run around saying, oh, my days are short. Let me go do all the things of this world that I want to do while I can. Not that there's anything necessarily wrong with that to some extent. But where we need to start and where we need to go first when we are up against something difficult is we need to pray. And so after Jesus had ate that last meal with his disciples, after he had washed their feet and given them that example, he goes to the Garden of Gethsemane to pray. In verse 33, he took Peter, James, and John with him, which was not terribly uncommon, and he began to be deeply distressed and horrified, or some translations may say awestruck. This was, this was a serious thing that Jesus was experiencing here. Now, now, he was the Son of God, certainly, and some would say, but Jesus didn't, didn't really experience the same kind of pain and anguish that we did, that he, was, that he was free of that, being the Son of God. But I don't believe that that's true. I believe that everything Jesus experienced, he experienced it in the same way that you and I experienced it. That's what makes what Jesus did, uh, did for us real as he has suffered in every way that we do, yet he is an overcomer in every way that we fail, in every way that we sin. And, and when Jesus here was deeply distressed, when he was greatly troubled, it is probably no different than the great distress that we face at times in our life, the times when we are horrified or awestruck, the times when we are greatly troubled. How do you feel? You feel... You, you feel the weight of that. You feel the tension of that. You know what that feels like. And how much more so did Jesus feel that? Because knowing that he had the weight of the world on his shoulders, literally, salvation was going to come through him or it was not going to come. Can you imagine the pressure that that is? To know what you are about to endure and to know the pain that it will be and to know that those that you love are going to betray you, that you are going to be beaten and mocked for doing absolutely nothing wrong. And knowing that that is before him and Jesus knows that if he fails at this, if he does not follow through with the will of God, if he does not give his life on the cross, you and I are doomed to face God's judgment. That is a lot of pressure. We think about the pressures we have, and they may very well be real. They may very well be strong, but they paled in comparison to know that the, that, that the life of every human being that has ever walked the earth is dependent on what Jesus was about to do. There is no action that we do in our life that the, that the souls of every 
person of humanity rest on the decisions that we make. And it's difficult enough for us just knowing that the decisions we make are going to affect our, our family, our friends, our church, much less the whole world. Yet that is what Jesus was experiencing here as he was deeply distressed. Verse 34, Then he said to them, My soul is swallowed up in sorrow to the point of death. Remain here and stay awake. So Jesus gives those with him some instruction. Look, this is a really difficult time, and so I'm asking you, as you are here with me, to stay awake. Now, that's, it's good for us when we are in the midst of difficult situations to surround ourselves with those who are closest to us. Now, it's easy for us to want to be alone, to want to separate ourselves, but, but there is strength when we are there for one another. And Jesus here had called Peter, James, and John with him and says, look, this is a really tough time for me, so stay here and stay awake as Jesus is about to go and pray. Verse 35, <clears throat> Then he went a little farther, fell to the ground, and began to pray that if it were possible, the hour might pass from him. And he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Take this cup away from me. Now, Jesus acknowledges something here that every one of us probably knows, and that is with God, all things are possible. We pray to God knowing that all things are possible. It's not wrong for us to pray and make requests knowing the power of God. And what is Jesus' request here? Jesus said, all things are possible for you, God, so take this cup from me. That was Jesus' request. Now, you're and I, you and I have requests, and whatever those requests may be, we bring those requests to God knowing full well that God has the power to answer those prayers. And so we pray, God, here is my request. Here is what I ask of you. And there is nothing wrong with that. But Jesus also knew that there is something greater than our requests. There is something greater than what we want. The most important thing is not what we want, but what God wants. It's not what we will, but what God wills. So Jesus says, Father, take this cup from me. But then what does he say after that? Nevertheless, not what I will, but what you will. Now, I have no doubt that every one of us have a variety of things that we pray to God about on a regular basis, things that we want, things that we desire, things that we may think are good. And we pray that God would grant those things, would allow those things to fall into place. And sometimes he may, but sometimes he may not. But what we must remember is even if we ask for something, and we may even ask in a right heart, it may not be the will of God. And what Jesus has shown us throughout his ministry is the most important thing for him was to do the will of God. So God, I'm deeply distressed. I'm in sorrow right now. Father, you are capable of all things. Nothing is impossible for you. Therefore, take this cup from me if it is your will. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. We need to remember that. Jesus teaches us how to pray. Not only does he teach us how to pray, but he puts that into practice here. He is one who does what he says. When he tells us to pray that God's will be done, what is Jesus doing right here at the end of his life? He's praying that God's will would be done, and so it should be for you and I. 
that God's will would be done, even if God's will doesn't line up with what we think is good and right. God's will is always good and right. Verse 37, Then he came and found them sleeping. Simon, are you sleeping? He asked Peter. Couldn't you stay awake one hour? Now, Jesus is here in the most difficult moment of his life, and yet those that he had brought with them and he had asked them to stay awake, he comes and he finds them asleep. And what does he tell them here in the next verse? In verse 38, he says, Stay awake and pray so that you won't enter into temptation. And so why did he want them to stay awake? It was for their own good. He wanted them to stay awake and do what? And pray. Jesus was praying, and he was telling his disciples here, you guys need to stay awake and pray too, but, but they failed at that. They didn't do what Jesus asked them to do. Perhaps sometimes you and I fail in the same way. But why did Jesus ask them to stay awake and pray? He said, so that you won't enter into temptation. So Jesus knew what was about to take place, and this was going to be a difficult time for the disciples as well, apart from Judas, uh, who didn't seem to have any difficulty betraying Jesus. But, but you can imagine, I mean, we see that even Peter, who had spoke, spoken so boldly, he's, he's kind of keeping his distance as all this goes on. He's not willing to step up and say, yes, I'm Jesus' disciple. And so that temptation to flee and to deny Jesus and separate themselves from Jesus, not just the 12, but perhaps any other disciple who was following Jesus, Jesus knew that this was going to be a trying time. So Jesus says, look, you better stay awake and you better pray that you won't enter into temptation. Jesus was praying because he knew the difficulty of what was before him, but he also knew the difficulty of what was before his disciples. And what does he say? The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Now, Peter had already said boldly, look, I'll never deny you, Jesus. Jesus said, you're going to deny me three times. And, and Peter said, no way. He had a right heart. He had a right spirit. But when it came down to it and his flesh was on the line, his flesh was weak. And so it is for you and I. There are moments of failure for us that that we, that, we, that we have a right heart, that we say, okay, Lord Jesus, I would never fail you. I would never deny you. I would always stand for you. I would always be obedient to you. But then sometimes we're not. Sometimes we fail in the same way that Peter does. And so Jesus' instruction here to Peter is good for us too, that we be those who pray, that we be those who are alert, that we be those who are prepared for the temptations when they come, and they will come. If they didn't come today, they'll come tomorrow, and if they don't come tomorrow, they'll come the next day. The temptations are coming, so let us be those who pray so that we will not fall into the temptation, so that not only will our spirit be willing, but our flesh will be made strong through our prayer and trust in Jesus Christ. Verse 39, Once again he went away and prayed, saying the same thing. And he came again and found them sleeping because they could not keep their eyes open. They did not know what to say to him. Then he came a third time and said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Enough. The time has come. Look, the Son of Man is being betrayed into the hands of sinners. Get up. Let's go. See, my betrayer is near. What a beautiful story for us to reflect on. 
to see what Jesus was doing when he was up against the most difficult time in his life. Jesus was praying. And you and I need to pray every day, but we certainly need to pray when we are up against the most difficult times in our life. We need to be those who are alert and who are awake, that we are prepared for whatever may come our way. Because just as they came for Jesus, so they come for you and I. There are many people who hated Jesus who still hate Jesus. And just as when Jesus stood up for the Lord, he faced opposition. And still today, brothers and sisters in Christ who stand up for the Lord face opposition. But let us be those who follow Jesus and know when there are times that we need to say, this is what God has called me to. This is the place God has brought me to. And as difficult as it may be, God, may your will be done. God, I pray that you deliver me. I pray that you make a way for me. I pray that you do it, God, because you can. But God, not what I will, but what you will. Let us be those who pray. Let us be those who are prepared for the temptation. And let us be those that through the power of God will be willing and able to stand and follow through with God's will in our life just as Jesus Christ has done for us. Let's pray. Father God, we come to you. We thank you for this good passage. And Dear Lord, I pray that we would seek you in all the difficult times in our life. And dear Lord, they are, they are often, it appears, God. But we thank you that you didn't just tell us what to do. You showed us what to do. That you sent Jesus Christ to be our example. That you sent Jesus Christ to love us. That you sent Jesus Christ to make a new covenant, dear Lord, a better covenant through his body and through his blood. That you sent Jesus Christ to show us how to love other people and to humble ourselves and be a servant to all. That you sent Jesus Christ to teach us how to pray, to teach us how to seek your will and not our own. So God, I pray that we follow that example, knowing full well what Jesus is about to face, God. He knew what he was about to face and he was preparing for it. God, we don't know what our future holds, but we know our days will be filled with difficulties. It's inevitable that at some point in our life, difficult days will come. So let us be prepared for those days, not in our strength, but through Jesus Christ and his example. And I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.